0: Being indistractable doesn't mean you never get distracted. I, even I get distracted from time to time. Being indistractable means you understand why you got distracted and you do something about it so you don't get distracted by the same thing in the future.
1: Welcome to the Thriving on Overload podcast. I am Ross Dawson, a futurist and entrepreneur fascinated by how we can excel at dealing with the universe of information. I'm the author of the book, Thriving on Overload. Every week, we share insights from information masters on how they transform today's avalanche of information into insight, foresight, and better decisions. For more goodness on this topic, be sure to visit thrivingonoverload.com, where there are a wealth of resources to help you thrive, including all podcast episodes with transcripts, excerpts from my book, and if you are really intent on amplifying your information productivity, the Thriving on Overload interactive course, which helps you develop a personal information plan you can immediately put into practice. And be sure to sign up for our weekly Tips for Thriving newsletter if you want to optimize your information productivity. If you enjoy this episode, please do subscribe and give a rating or review on iTunes. It helps others interested in this topic to find these resources. Now, on with the show. On this episode, we learn from Nir Ayal, who writes, consults, and teaches about the intersection of psychology, technology, and business. He's the author of two best-selling books, Hooked, which has sold over a quarter of a million copies and heavily influenced the tech industry, and Indistractable, which has been named Best Business Book of the Year, among other praise. You can find Nir at his website, nirandfar.com. He shares great content on LinkedIn, and you subscribe to his newsletter on his Twitter account, at Nier N-I-R-E-Y-A-L. In this episode, you will learn from Nier about using your values to filter, choosing the right time to consume information, the apps he uses for content, using audio for reading, and much more. Keep listening to learn from Nier's fantastic insights. Nir, it is an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much. So I think you are a wonderful exemplar of Thriving on Overload. Uh, You are able to create wonderful books, uh, gain deep insights
0: in what's happening in the world.
1: Uh, So... How do you do it?
0: <laughs> well, it's it's not easy. <laughs> I, I don't uh, I don't know anyone who says it's easy. Uh, but I will say that uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. I think we should start first of all by reframing um, this this idea that sounds kind of pejorative, you know, information overload as an incredible blessing, (laughs) right? That we have have the luxury to have information overload. I would much rather live in an age today where the world's information is at my fingertips than in past generations where the the seat of power and influence was how much information you had access to. Well, you know, now we're drowning in information. We have so much information. Now I think the scarce commodity is our ability to uh, make sense of all that information uh, and make sure that it doesn't divert us and distract us to things that are not congruous with our goals and our values. Uh, but, but, but starting off, I think it's a, it's a wonderful thing <laughs> that, you know, past generations uh, spend a lot of their time very bored and we don't have that problem. <laughs> We're almost never bored. We have yeah, tons well, you, of, you, you've
1: got, you've cut to the entire thesis of, uh, of what oh, I'm is doing. that right? Exactly. Oh,
0: very good. Yeah, this is, yeah, this is an opportunity. <laughs> exactly. It is, it is a huge opportunity, but, you know, opportunities also present challenges. And I think it's really the people who are able to rise to this occasion, people who can make the most of all this information are really the people who will succeed in the, in the, the century to come that that um, this ability to make sure that we harness our time and attention properly uh, is is a super skill and and so that's that's a lot of my research is around uh, distraction and my, my book indistractable is all about how to control your attention and choose your life uh, and so yeah so this is definitely something that's near and dear to my heart
1: so i want to dig into what you do so, I mean, we've learned, obviously, quite a bit from what you do from your book and want to hear, learn from that. But in terms of just information, I mean, I think part of it is, is scope. You know, what is, what is the purpose? Why, what information is going to be useful and relevant to you? I mean, how, how do you start off by framing that as to what information is going to be relevant to you and how you seek it and find it or, or make it come to you?
0: Yeah. So, so determining what information is important to you, I think starts with your values. Uh, So what are values? Values, I define them as attributes of the person you want to become. Okay. Values are attributes of the person you want to become. So you have to ask yourself, how would the person I want to become spend their time? That's how you define your values. Now, values, by the way, are very different from things you value, right? right? So, so money is not a value. Okay, why? Because money can be taken away from you. Money is a thing you value. It is not your values, right? So, uh, however, um, you know, the, the idea of, of, of being a dependable person, uh, being honest, being someone who lives with integrity, those are things that can't be taken away from you. Those are values. And so we have to start by turning our values into time. So when we ask ourselves, how would the person I want to become spend their time I like to use these three life domains of starting out with you. You are at the center of these three life domains. If you can't take care of yourself, you can't take care of others, you can't make the world a better place. So you have to start with you. And so what what I recommend is that we start by asking ourselves, how would the person you want to become spend their time tomorrow, right? Starting with the the very next day, how would a person who lives out your values spend their time in this life domain of taking care of you? So if uh, physical health is important to you, Okay, do you have time on your calendar for exercise, uh, for rest, right? We all know how important sleep is. Uh, we've, We've heard this research to death now. We all know about it, but how many of us have a bedtime? Very few, right? We yell at our kids and say, oh, you have to have a bedtime, but we're hypocrites because we don't have a bedtime. So making that time for prayer, meditation, video games, whatever it is that's important to you, has to have that time on your calendar. Namely, this time that you spend consuming information, I think for the vast majority of people, it seeps into whatever cracks of time we have in our day, whenever we feel bored, whenever we feel lonely, whenever work gets too hard, that's our escape. Well, I'm doing something good for myself. I'm I'm reading the news. I'm checking on a newsletter. I'm, you know, going through uh, email, and we think that's something productive. But it is a distraction if it's not what we plan to do with our time. Because remember, the opposite of distraction is not focus. The opposite of distraction is traction. Traction is any action that moves you towards your goals, towards your values. Distraction is the opposite, anything that moves you away from what you said you were going to do. So that's why it's so imperative to start with the time that something takes. So uh, dealing with information overload, as you say, doesn't start with what do I want to consume? It starts with when do I want to consume? Yes. When in my calendar will I make time to consume this information. Now, why do I say that that's so important? Because I'm forcing a constraint that when people say, you know, what do I want to do with my time? Oh, I want to write a book and I want to have a huge, you know, a beautiful family relationship. And I want to have a big business and I want to uh, make sure I'm up to date on all the news in the world. Well, you can't do it all. You only have 24 hours in a day. So what you have to do is to make trade-offs and you can only make trade-offs when you impose constraints. So by looking at your calendar and saying, okay, I want X amount of hours with my family. I need to do work for this many hours in the day. I want this much time for prayer or meditation. I want this much time for whatever else it is. How much time do I have left to do this important thing that is consuming information? So starting from that, starting from that constraint, you will have to give something up. There's no way you can do it all. You just, you you only have 24 hours. Everybody does. So by doing that, you uh, you will understand how much time you even have. And what you might find is a lot less time than you think, <laughs> right? So maybe if you're lucky, you have an hour or two uh, to, to, to consume information. So that forces you to be very frugal with your time. You know, I, I, I often say that people are stingy with their money and generous with their time. And it should be the exact opposite. We should be generous with our money and stingy with our time because we can always make more money. You can't make more mm-hmm. time. So you have to start by asking yourself this is a non-renewable resource your time in your day has to be accounted for first so by saying to yourself hey look after all my other priorities and values i only have 45 minutes in a day to consume information okay what can i consume that provides 45 minutes of of information that is actually valuable enough to warrant that that time allotment so that's the first place to start i think
1: and so for you what uh, time do you allocate when
0: yeah, so so I typically do it uh, in the morning, uh, where I have time when I I go through my email. I uh, have time booked in my day to to go through email, an hour and a half of of email per day, and I also have thirty minutes of going through my. I have a separate you know uh, 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 folder. I use a product called Sane Later, which is a wonderful uh, product that will sort out the important from the less important information this, the, the kind of emails that you need to respond to versus the kind of emails that you simply consume and so for about 30 minutes of my day uh i have time on my calendar when i go into this folder and i look through these these various you know news sources and places that that, that i want to uh consume this information but i i use a little trick that i talk about in my book indistractable uh that i do believe in multitasking I know that this is killing a sacred cow that everybody in the productivity spaces is, is, tells you, you can't multitask. That's not true. You absolutely can multitask as long as you multi channel multitask. So, what we can't do is receive inputs of information on the same channel at the same time. You can't listen to two podcast episodes, one in each year. You can't do two math problems at the same time. Uh, you can't watch two television screens at the same time because you're using the same channel. But you absolutely can multi-channel multitask as long as the information is coming through different sources. So what I do is I have 30 minutes out of my day for, uh, for, for uh, deciding what's worth consuming. So I open up you know, the, the, the New York Times Daily News Digest. I open up, I subscribe to several newsletters. I open those up. I don't read them. I don't read them. I save them. So immediately when I see an article that I want to read, I have a rule. I never read articles on my web browser. I immediately save them to this wonderful app called Pocket. Now Pocket will scrub out the text and leave you, uh, instead of all those link-baity headlines and all the links and all the stuff that will distract you, it just gives you the text in the app, okay? Then I use multi-channel multitasking as the reward for doing something I don't really want to do, in my case it's exercise, to reward myself with these articles read to me. So you can have this app pocket, read these articles to you while you're doing something else. So while I'm in the gym, this is called temptation bundling. This comes from the work of Katie Milkman. And she, she has this, these studies where she finds that you can actually use a reward in one area of your life to help incentivize you to do something else that you don't really feel like doing in another area of your life. So I like exercising. I don't love it, but it's an extra boost of motivation to be able to listen to these articles while I'm in the gym exercising. So, or taking a walk. So that becomes the, that, how I use this multi-channel multitasking to consume this information while I'm doing something else.
1: So do you, almost all of those articles you consume in audio?
0: Yes. Yes. Uh, pretty much hundred percent of them.
1: Right. So, so, obviously it's not as if you've got, uh, dozens of articles your uh, every day because. Oh
0: no, like, I, I, get through probably 30, 40 articles a day oh, right. during, during my, uh, exercise session. And how long does that last? About an hour.
1: Okay, well, so you do uh, put it on... Faster than normal speed?
0: Yes, definitely, definitely. I I use another app called Voice Dream, which works with Pocket, and it reads. It has these great uh, text-to-speech voices that read. Uh, I I think it goes up to like eight hundred words a minute. I can't listen to eight hundred words a minute, but I think I, I think I listen at like six hundred words a minute, uh, and it's it's fantastic. You can get through a ton, you know, because many articles are fluff, right? You've got the opening, you've got the closing, the summary, but to get the 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 new information, uh, it, you can you can listen to it pretty quickly so
1: this this takes us in a way to sense making which i i think you talked about at the beginning so yes we've got a world of information we can carve out some time to be able to pull out what's relevant or interesting to us so is there a process for you to make sense of the world from all of this information do you take any notes do you do anything visually do you build any frameworks in your mind do you do it simply by writing you know, blog posts or books, what is the process
0: by which you make sense? So the first pass will be to just listen to these articles as we just described. But if it's something that I feel like I want to uh, dive deeper into, if it's a particularly good article that maybe is relevant to something I'm actually working on in the moment, or something I might think I might work on in the moment, I email that article back to myself. So it goes from, let's say, this email newsletter. So my job is to just, I read the headline and I immediately send it to Pocket. I don't read the article itself. I listen to the article later on. And if I say, wow, that was really good. So maybe one out of 20, things I listen to, I'll say, wow, that's, that's really insightful. I want to remember to come back to that. I'll email it back to myself. And then when I have time in my schedule to do that type of work, to do the the work that requires me to look through these articles and, and think through these and, and extract the the value for, in accordance to what I'm working on, that's when I'll do it. So I'll open up these articles. And then if it's something that I'm working on directly, if I'm writing uh, an article, uh, then you know, that goes straight to the Google Doc where I'm working on that article. Uh, if it's not something that I'm working on right this minute, but I think I might work on at some point, I file it into Evernote. And so I just save it into Evernote. I tag it based on, you know I've got a hundred different book ideas and article ideas. So I just tag it based on that subject. And then I've got this nice uh, file of, you know, in Evernote, I can just type in the topic and I've got, you know, 20, 30, maybe a hundred different articles that I've saved over the years around this particular topic. So it makes for a very rich source of, of, uh, uh of reading, uh, to get up to speed on a topic that when I'm ready to write about it is, is there. And then in terms of how do I add something new, how do I not just consume, but actually create, that's where writing comes, comes into practice. So for me, uh, you know, I, th- I can't remember who said it, but, uh, I remember this quote that, uh, uh that you can't uh, can't write clearly without thinking clearly. So writing is really my process to understand new ideas. Uh, So by processing these ideas and thinking through them and chewing on them and then presenting them to others, that's how I get to the truth. You
1: are listening to the Thriving on Overload podcast. If you truly want to increase your information productivity, then check out the Thriving on Overload interactive course. It is designed to significantly enhance your information practices and habits, guiding you through creating your own personal information plan so you can excel in a world of overload. Go to thrivingonoverload.com slash course to find out more. Now back to the show. I think one of the interesting nuances and what you described is choosing those tags. So you've got like a hundred tags. This could be a book idea or this theme or this topic or this idea. So how is it that you have developed those, that particular array of tags that I suppose, you know, you can attach meaning to the content you're getting?
0: Yeah. It just comes through the years of, of thinking about, huh, that's an interesting topic. It's, it's, you know what it is? It's, um, it's, unanswered questions. It's the mysteries, right? So what drives my writing is curiosity, right? I think it was Dorothy Parker who said, uh, the cure for boredom is curiosity. There is no cure for curiosity. That it's really about the unknown. That's what drives me is, is what do I not really understand? What do I want to get, you know, clear in my own head? And it's, you know, those tags come from these areas of, of interest. Uh, and I, I have hundreds of different tags of things that I'm still curious about that i don't quite understand and so i file them under those tags
1: right and so do these just do these do you relate these back in any way to your values or is this just something which is i've just emerged in terms of oh this this is interesting
0: yeah, usually it's in terms of uh, either topic areas or sometimes like a book title. <laughs> if I have a book title in my head that someday maybe I'll write, then I'll have to file it under that, that title. Um, or sometimes it's just, you know, vague categories, uh, race relations or neuroplasticity or uh, behavioral design or, you know, the, the, they might be uh, broader categories and, and most of them I'll probably never dive back into, but should I need them, they're there.
1: So... In Indistractable, you talk about you know moving beyond distraction to traction, and I suppose in that sense of traction, I mean, I I think that there are different levels of focus or different types of focus, and so you know you can have your deep dive where you close the world off. There's others where you may be uh, consuming information or writing, or or it could be you know uh, you know less less immersed things where you may maybe exploring for things, so if you, Within this world of traction, do you think about different types or levels or kinds of, of focus or traction?
0: You know, I, 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 there are times where you... Um where, where a topic might be easier to write about uh, and you feel more focused. You know, if it's a subject I've chewed on a lot and maybe I've spoken about and digested and, you know, kind of shared with others and I'm, 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 I've come to some conclusions, then of course the writing is much, much easier. Uh, and then other times when it's a brand new topic, sometimes it's a slog, right? I really have to think through things and thinking is hard. I think, uh, you know, many times we, we, we believe that uh, you can just spout out ideas on, 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 a, on a page and I don't know how to do that. <laughs> like thinking is really hard work to come up with anything yes. interesting and novel uh that you're proud of i think you know takes takes a lot of time takes a lot of thought and that requires uh sitting down and doing the work all right so i i try not to put a burden on myself to think that i have to reach you know this cloud nine level of focus and flow I, i'm not a big fan of flow uh you know this concept by miha csikszentmihalyi i think it's really great if you can get it but it's not a requirement uh, I think you know you know this concept of flow, right? Nice. That uh, things have to you know time moves quickly and uh, you know you you feel like it's effortless. And I think that's great for some of the things that that Chick Set talks about in his book. You know, basketball players playing basketball and surfers surfing. Yeah, okay, great. Yeah, you got into flow because it's fun. <laughs> Big deal. What happens <laughs> when the task is not fun? Right. Many times when I'm writing, it is not fun. It sucks. It's really hard work. And yet I want to do it because it's a hard it's 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 a hard type of fun. Um, but it's not certainly not flow. So I don't try and put my, those requirements of oh I'm not focused enough. I think part of being a professional, and Stephen Pressfield talks about this a lot as well, um, in his book The War of Art. A professional does the work. A professional doesn't wait for the muse to strike. A professional doesn't wait to be in a state of flow. A professional doesn't wait to be focused. A professional puts their butt in the chair and does the work. And that's why it's so important to be indistractable because indistractable uh, teaches you the skills to do this at the drop of the hat. To sit down and do the work, whether you feel like it or not, uh, and that's that's really where we can live the kind of life we want. And it's not just about you know work; it's not just about productive stuff. It's about being fully present with people you love. It's about exercising when you say you will, uh, eating healthfully when you say you will. It's about following through. And so I, I try not to attach any kind of requirements that I'm at you know a certain level <laughs> to do in order to do the work. I just do the work.
1: <laughs> right. Right. But if it is going to be the harder work, as in the book writing, you'd put that for a certain minimum time of day at a particular time of day that works best for you?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right now I do it in the afternoon. So I do it right after lunch. Um, and uh, I like to write from a coffee shop, um, typically, or, uh, you know, somewhere I, I like a little bit of ambient noise while I'm, uh, while, I, while I'm writing. Uh, but I have played around with that. You know, I used to write first thing in the morning and then, uh, I moved to Singapore and I needed to take calls in the morning. So I don't write first thing in the morning anymore. Uh, now I, I, I uh, write in the afternoon. So I stick, I, I've moved my schedule around. The important thing is that once Once my schedule is set, and it might change from day to day, once my schedule is set, you follow it, right? Once you've made that schedule and you said, this is what I want to do, now that is traction. Whatever it is you said you were going to do that's in your calendar, that's traction. Everything else is a distraction.
1: I I think there's a a distinction. People talk about focus a lot, and whereas your theme is around being indistractable. I mean, do you draw a distinction there? I mean, what is the theme of indistractable, which I, I suppose people can who haven't read the book or already can benefit from and understanding that perhaps that distinction.
0: Yeah. So focus is something you can do with your attention, but it doesn't necessarily mean it has to be the, it's not the, it's not the end goal. The end goal is to do what you say you're going to do. So if you want to divert your attention, right? Let's say you want to uh, watch a movie, play a video game, play with your kids, be spontaneous. Awesome, you can do that. <laughs> it's not, there's nothing that says that focus is the, is the pinnacle of our existence. It's all right to let yourself uh, divert your attention from one thing to another, that's fine. But don't regret doing it. And so the way we minimize regret is to decide in advance what we will do. So that's the difference between traction and distraction. So, so both words come from the same Latin root, trahare, which means to pull. And you'll notice both words end in the same six letters, A-C-T-I-O-N, that spells action. So traction is any action that pulls you towards what you said you were going to do, things that you do with intent. The opposite of traction is distraction. Distraction is any action that pulls you further away from what you plan to do. So it's all about intent. It's all about deciding in advance, this is what I'm going to do, even if it's something fun, frivolous even, right? That's fine, right? There's nothing wrong with scrolling Instagram or playing a video game or being silly with your kids. That's great. That's wonderful. But do it on your schedule and according to your values, not someone else's. So, if what you want to do with your time is to be focused on your writing, wonderful. Uh, but that's not necessarily the the requirement, which is why I, I I don't think that the opposite of distraction is focus. The opposite of distraction is traction.
1: In indistractable, I, I think a key part of that is that identity, as in understanding and believing yourself as indistractable, and so being able to get traction, whatever it's you're doing. But there's a whole series of tools or techniques in order to enable you to align your actions with that belief that you, you are indistractable and able to be, be there doing what you're planning to do.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So this is uh, why I titled the book Indistractable because indistractable, it's a made up word. You know, I I, I made it up so I could define it any way I like. So uh, being indistractable doesn't mean you never get distracted. I Even I get distracted from time to time. Being indistractable means you understand why you got distracted and you do something about it so you don't get distracted by the same thing in the future. That uh, Poela Coelho has a wonderful quote. He said, a mistake repeated more than once is a decision. A mistake repeated more than once is a decision. So how many people go through life constantly complaining about how they didn't get this done and they got distracted from that and they had this goal and this thing on their to-do list and they didn't finish it. Well, okay, how many times do we keep getting distracted by the same thing again and again and again before we say enough? (laughs) I'm going to do something about it. So a distractible person chooses to be distractible because they don't do anything about the problem. An indistractible person says, aha, Okay, you got me once, now I'm gonna do something about it. And what what I teach in the book Indistractable is is this model around knowing exactly why you got distracted and using this toolkit to prevent it from happening again in the future. And so once you become that kind of person, the kind of person who strives to do what they say they're going to do, the kind of person who strives to live with personal integrity, you are indistractable. So it doesn't matter if you read the book or not, if if you're listening to my voice right now on this podcast, you can call yourself indistractable because doing so actually empowers you to change that we know that monikers have a huge impact on our behavior so if you look at the psychology of religion right when uh, a a devout muslim calls themselves muslim they don't have to use willpower to uh to 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 do certain behaviors so a devout muslim doesn't wake up in the morning and say "Mm, you know i wonder if i'll have some alcohol today no a devout muslim doesn't drink alcohol it is who they are a vegetarian doesn't wake up and say, oh, I wonder if I'll have a bacon sandwich for breakfast. No, they don't eat meat. It is who they are. They are vegetarian. So you are now indistractable, right? Indistractable sounds like indestructible. It's a superpower. It's who you are. It's your identity. You're the kind of person who strives to do as they say they're going to do. Someone who lives with personal integrity and who is as honest with themselves as they are with others. So to round
1: out, what, what would be your advice Beyond anything which we've uh, already covered, to someone who's saying, "This is a lot of information. I'm trying to work out what to do. what what are the steps which I should take? how How can I thrive in this world?
0: Yeah. So the four steps of becoming indistractable are pretty simple. They took me five years to uncover, but this is these are the, the, the five the, the the four basic steps that uh are the uh, the four pillars, the strategies that we have to use. Strategies are why we do something, tactics are what we do. So tactics are what we do, strategies why we do it. It's much more important to understand the strategy than just the tactics. But if you follow these four steps of number one, mastering your internal triggers, understanding where distractions come from. That's step one. Step number two is make time for traction. What we talked about earlier, planning out your day, understanding what you define as traction so that you can know what is distraction, right? You can't call something a distraction unless you know what it distracted you from. Step number three is hack back the external triggers. So removing all the pings, dings, and rings in your outside environment that can lead you towards distraction. And finally, prevent distraction with pacts. Pacts are the last line of defense they're the firewall against distraction. And we use them as this, this barrier to when we fall off track, after we've tried the other three tactics, we use it as the last line of defense. So when we use these four tactics, uh, sorry, these four strategies in concert, this is how we become indistractable. So it's, uh, it, it's, there's a lot in the book, uh, but really it boils down to these, these four basic strategies that anyone can master.
1: Well, given uh, the world we're into, uh, I think that uh, there are many people that are very distracted and uh, can benefit a lot from being able to take, uh, take your advice. You know, in a way, that's, that's the future of where we are, is to the degree to which we become a distracted race or, uh, or, or something else. So, it's, so this is a bit of a, a pivotal, pivotal moment in human history in that <laughs> frame, I would say.
0: No, I, th- I think it's, uh, you know, this, this is very autobiographical, right? They say research is me-search. So I I wrote this book for me more than anyone else because I found I was incredibly distracted. And it was because the world is such an interesting place, right? There's limitless videos to watch. And uh, now with with um, these amazing technologies like the one we're using right now, people all over the world you can speak with and things you can learn and, and incredible things you can see and do. But the the price of progress, the price of these amazing technologies that we have at our fingertips, today is, you know what? You, you got to learn some new methods, right? You got to upgrade your own skill uh, to make sure that you can live in this modern world w- w- and use these tools to your advantage to use them as opposed to letting them use you. Uh, and it's not that hard, right? This isn't, this isn't rocket science, right? It's simple things like planning your day, understanding your internal triggers, turning off the external triggers, right? Simple stuff. We can all do it if we stop complaining about it long enough to take action. You know, so many of us, all we do is whine and moan about the the crazy world these days, but we don't do anything about it. And I really think the world is bifurcating into two types of people, people who let their time and attention be manipulated and controlled by others, and people who stand up and say, no, I decide how I will control my time and attention. I will control my life. I am indistractable.
1: Absolutely agree, Nair. And it's fantastic to get your insights uh on uh, Thriving on Overload. Uh, I'm sure many people will benefit from them.
0: Thanks so much. Oh, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you.
1: Thank you for listening to the show. If you want more resources to help you thrive in a world of exponential information, go to thrivingonoverload.com where you can find all podcast episodes, transcripts, show notes, excerpts from my book, Thriving on Overload, the Thriving on Overload interactive course, and a trove of other useful content and resources, including a weekly Tips for Thriving newsletter to keep across it all. If you like this episode, please do help us be found by giving us a rating or review and subscribe if you'd like to hear more. This is Ross Dawson. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day.